Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. What is going on, citizens? How are you guys doing? Dude, like, if you could feel what I'm feeling right now in my chest, like the excitement in my chest, not the mucus. You're like, are you sick? Are you going to die? No, like the, the, ah! I'm just so stinking excited to be back, man. I have missed you guys. Um, And so you know how they say absence makes the heart grow fonder? My heart is fond for you. And so I've missed you guys, but I'm excited to be back. And we are kicking off the year with a very special night. As Courtney said, tonight is Ethos Night. Everybody say, Ethos, ethos. Night. night. Cool. All right. So Ethos Night, we're going to do this four times a year. Okay, like Courtney said, when you see this come through your feed, and you see it come through your Instagram, whatever, like you don't want to miss this, all right? So we're going to do our thing right here in a few moments. We're going to have a nacho bar. And the reason why we are doing a nacho bar is because the first ever ethos night is called game time. Everybody say game time. What if I just preached the entire sermon where you echoed what I said in like a manly vibrato, right? Welcome to citizens. This would be a four-hour sermon. (laughs) But it would be awesome. And so how many of you know How many people in this room know that way better than watching a sporting event on television, way better than sitting on your couch in your lazy boy, that way better than that is actually being at the game? You know what I'm saying? There's something better than sitting on your couch. Friends, there is nothing, there is nothing like going to the game and sitting in the bleachers. You know what I'm saying? Where are some places in your world where you get to sit in the bleachers? Talk to me. Where can you sit in the bleachers? The football game. Oh, dude, the football game, right? I went to the Union Camus football game, and I snuck into the student section. <laughs> Woo-hoo-hoo. I was like, yeah, Union. They're like, you have a beard and a baby and a gut. I was like, I'm a senior, right? I don't know. And so I sat in the student section, dude, and being in that student section was wild, man. It was, it, was like, it was like you lose individuality, you lose all individual consciousness, and you are part of the great one of the you, you know? It's like super powerful. Where else can you sit in the bleachers? Where else do you go in school? Where can you sit in the bleachers? Where? An assembly? Probably not super exciting though, right? How many of you are excited to go to assemblies? <laughs> you love, of course you love assemblies. Is it because assemblies are cool or is it because you get to miss school for a day? Yep, yep, exactly. Where else can you sit in the bleachers? Basketball, oh my gosh! Dude, have you ever been to a high school basketball game? Have you ever sat in the bleachers at a college basketball game and you're sitting there and it's just, you know, you and like 7,000 of your friends watch cheering on the Penn State basketball team and like, dude, the pep band? The basketball pet bands come any, anywhere my bando's at, right? All four of us, bro. All four of us. Thank you. There's nothing like sitting in the bleachers, right? 
There is nothing like feeling, oh, have you ever been to a football game and it comes down to the final drive and they score a touchdown as time expires? And you're sitting in the bleachers, right? And you're just, you're cheering. You're cheering as if you're on the field. You're cheering as if you were part of the team because in that moment it feels like you are and you can't get any closer and it feels like you are in the action and they're nervous on the field and you're nervous and you're just like, dude, I am in this thing. I am a part of this right now. Except there's one thing in that moment. You're not. You see, students, no matter how close your seats are to the field, the reality is, if you are still sitting in the bleachers, you're still just a fan. You're not a player. If you have the best seats in the house, the reality is, I don't care how big the band is, bro. I don't care how pumped the crowd is. I don't care how you can smell the players on the field. I don't care if you can see the little turf bubbles popping up. The reality is, if you're still sitting there, If you're still sitting in the bleachers, you're still just a spectator. You're not a player. And so, yes, it's exciting at times to be sitting in the bleachers. It's exciting to be a fan and to feel like you're a part of it. But tonight, the Lord is calling citizens' youth to get out of the bleachers and to get in the game. As we kick off 2019, the Lord, through this text that we're going to preach tonight, he is calling each and every single one of you to get out of the bleachers, to stop being fans, and to get in the game. To get in the game. And so we're going to begin here for the next few moments. We're going to break down Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Are you ready? Are you ready to get in the game? Are you ready to get in the game? No, 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 no. Bro, Drew, I'm talking. Drew, are you ready to get in the game? Yeah. Let's go. Are you ready to get in the game? I mean, we can just chill in the bleachers, man. We got nachos. We can go to the nacho bar if you want. Do you want to get in the game? All right. Brian, cue the pet band. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Here we go. Here we go. There is one body... I got you. I got you, fam. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Let's pause right there, okay? You're like, ascension. What's going on? Let's explain it. Look back to the first verse. Verse four. Right off the bat, we see this, that we are one body. Everybody say one. We're one family. Inside of us as this Christian family, we have one spirit. We have been called to one hope. We have one God. We have one faith. We have one baptism. In other words, students, everyone in this room, if you are a Christian, we're united. 
one. We're united. We have one God, one faith. We are united. But what you need to understand is that, yes, we're united, but we're not the same. We're united, friends, but we're not identical. If you and I both serve Jesus, we are united, but you need to realize something, that though we're united, there's diversity in our unity, okay? We're united, but there is diversity in our unity. And so look at the picture that Paul paints. This is, this is dope, especially if you like, like Greek mythos, all right, and maybe Roman mythology. The picture that Paul paints is Jesus is like a conquering king. He went out to war, he vanquished his enemies, and now he has turned around and he is victoriously marching back into his own kingdom. And as he marches home, look who's marching behind him. All of his POWs, all of the people that he has conquered are trailing behind him as he marches back victoriously. Jesus is returning to heaven victoriously and sin and death. It's like they're being paraded like captives that he conquered. But as he leaves us, as he left us to go home to heaven, he also left us with gifts. It says here that he gave gifts to men. And so Jesus went home to heaven, but when he did, you have to realize this, every single one of you, Every single follower of Christ has been gifted. He says here, grace was given to each one of us. Grace was given to each one of us. Jesus has graced. He has blessed. Jesus has gifted us with gifts. And so, yes, students, if you follow Jesus, we're one family. But there's some differences. Each of us has received each one. We've received a gift. And guess what? These gifts, they all differ. They're all different. And so let me give you an example here. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And look what he says here, okay? Having gifts that differ. Let's go back here. Having gifts that differ. Everybody say differ. differ. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. And so some people, here you go, Pete, some people have been given a gift by Jesus and their gift, it's a, this is their gift. There's this uncanny ability that God often uses them to communicate to others. Have you ever known anybody like that? Do you have anybody in your life that you say, man, when I talk to them, God often uses them as a mouthpiece to speak directly to me. How many of you know people like that, right? You know why they can do that? They've, they've been gifted. So if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, dude, there are some people, here you go, there are some people who are gifted with the ability to serve, right? There are some people that I just call them helper McHelpertons. You know what I mean? How many of you know people that they're just like, oh, you're moving, I wanna help you, I'll be there, I'll be the first one to be there, and they're just, you know people who are just always serving, right? These are the people that you watch serve and you're like, dude, I'm tired and I haven't even moved because you're so helpful, right? You know why they can do that? Because they're awesome. No, 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 because they're gifted. The one who teaches and is teaching, how many of you know people who are just such good teachers, right? There are people who when they speak, you go, oh my gosh, it makes so much sense when you say it. Oh my gosh, Anna, when you explained that to me, it just was so clear, it just clicked. You know why they're good teachers? Because they're 
because they're gifted. In his, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, there are certain people that when they speak, they have this gift, they have this ability to stir us to action, to call us and to move us to do something. The one who contributes in generosity. I like to give, right? I like to be helpful. But there are some people who have the gift of generosity. How many of you know some generous people? Right? Where it's like they have been given this supernatural gift that they just want to contribute and they just want to be God's financier, you know? In generosity, the one, or in generosity, the one who leads with zeal. How many of you know leaders? You know why they're good leaders? Because they read all the leadership books and they study really hard and listen to podcasts. Exactly. No, because they're gifted. They have the gift of leadership. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We all have different gifts from the Lord. We all have different gifts. And so this is why you can go to places, right? And I'm sure you see this in school, or maybe you have family members, but you see certain people and it's like, they, they can be on stage, right? And you go, oh my gosh, I could never talk in front of a crowd like her. How does she do it? How could they possibly be doing that right now? Or maybe you see people who have 50 people in their home and they love it, right? And you're like, dude, if I have more than four people in my house, I'm stressed out, right? There are more people in my zone than should be here, right? And you like melt down and you freak out and you're like crying somewhere sucking your thumb, right? Just make the people go away. And then there's people like Danae who can be like, yeah, 70 people in my house, let's party. How can they do that? How can they talk in front of the crowd? How can these people sing? Dude, do you think I can get on stage and sing? You're like, of course, you have a microphone right now, but it's not singing. Dude, if I were to get on a stage and start to sing, my palms would get sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy, mom's spaghetti. I'm just like a mess, you know? How do they do that? How does it come so easy? Because they are, they're gifted. And so students, I want you to understand this tonight. Everybody in this room, if you share the name of Christ, we are united, but there's diversity here. We have all been given different gifts. Every single one of you. Haley, when are you going to start singing, sister? Come on, it's been, what? Haley, take your gift, sing, all right? (laughs) Every single one of us has been gifted a gift. And so here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Have you been given a gift? Yep, you have, yeah. Have you been given a gift? Sure, yeah. yeah, you have. Yeah. You know how I know? Because the Bible told me so. Have you been given a gift? Yep, okay. Who has not been given a gift? False. Right? You've all been given a gift, and here's the question I want you to ask yourself. You ready? My favorite question. Ready? Why? Why? Hey, God, uh, thanks for the gift. Really appreciate it. It's cool. Fits in my pocket, but I was just wondering, maybe perhaps you can tell me possibly, uh, why? That's my prayer life right there. It's, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Why? Why did God give you a gift? Why did God give you a gift? Let's look at the Bible, because that's where we find all of our answers, okay? He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So look what he's saying here. Every single Christian, every saint has been given their gift for the work of ministry. Everybody say ministry. Now here's what you, I said everyone, say ministry. Ministry. 
That's better. I like it. Now, here's what that means, okay? And you guys have to catch this. Ministry doesn't mean you have to become a pastor. Ministry doesn't mean that you have to grow up and work in a church full time. Ministry doesn't mean that you have to do what I do. You know what ministry means? Do you know what he means when he says that you are supposed to do ministry? Ministry simply means serving others. Ministry is serving others. In other words, students, you guys have all been given a gift. You know why you've been given this gift? To bless others. You've been given a gift. You've been given a different gift than her. He's been given a different gift than her. She's been given a different gift than me. And you know why we all have different gifts? To bless others. And so here's what you need to understand. Right now as you sit in the bleachers, here's what you need to understand. You do not have this so that you can sit back and enjoy it. You have not been given this into your hand by God by the ascended Jesus Christ so that you can sit back in the bleachers and enjoy it and keep it to yourself. You have been given this gift because there is something to do. There's a job that needs to be done and in order to show us the job that needs to be done, Paul gives us a metaphor. And you guys know how much I love metaphors, all right? Bring them out, boys. Here we go. Look at the metaphor. Here's what the work of ministry is. It is for building up the body of Christ. Everybody say, build up. Build up. Say, build up. build up. So here's what we see. The Jesus family that you and I are a part of, the Jesus Christ body, also known as the church, is under construction. Okay? This family of Christ is under construction. It's like a building that it's not done yet. And Paul wants you to realize that when you look at this family, when you look at the church, he wants you to remember that there's progress being made. He wants you to understand that there is still work to be done. And so I guess I could also give you a warning here that because this is a construction site, warning, you may get hurt. Warning. Somebody may stub your toe. Warning, you may get a hammer nailed on your thumb. Warning, something may fall. Guys, I'm just being real here. Citizens Youth Group is not the most perfect, mature, beautiful, clean place to become a part of. And so here's what happens. If you think, if you think that Citizens is like the mall, where everything is shiny and put together, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go, oh my gosh, look at this. It's like Sephora. It's so clean. And you're going to be walking, and then bam! You're going to get crushed by a beam. And you're going to go, why? How could I possibly get hurt at the mall? And somebody's going to go, it's, not, it's because it wasn't a mall. It's because this is a construction site, and we're still in progress. So if you get offended here, I'm sorry, but that's normal. If you come to Citizens Youth and you get hurt here, I really am sorry. Like, I feel for you, but that's normal. If you get into relational conflict with another human being between the ages of 6th grade and 12th grade, I'm sorry, that sucks. But what else would you expect from a construction zone? 
And so unfortunately, because I've been doing this for so long, I've seen students who they come into our youth group and they get hurt and they walk into a beam and somebody else who's carrying a beam, they say, what did you say? And they turn and they knock somebody else out, you know? And I've seen people go, I don't like being hurt. I'm leaving. And I just go, hey, remember what Paul said? We're under construction. We are a work in progress. But here's my point tonight, students. Jesus Christ is building his church. Jesus Christ is growing us. But what you need to realize from our text is that he's not building alone. Jesus Christ isn't the only worker at the job site. Jesus Christ isn't the only one swinging a hammer. He's not the only one wearing steel-toed shoes. He's not the only one with a hard hat. You know who else is supposed to be at the construction site? You know who else is helping build up his family? Everyone who's been given a gift. And we see that he has given us gifts to bless others. He has given you a gift so that you can minister to the rest of the family, so that you can help him with the process of building us up and of helping the family grow. Welcome to Citizens. Welcome to church. We're under construction. Help us build. You know when you got your gift at Christmas? How many of you got like some electronics? Anybody get electronics? Okay. I'm at the age now where I don't want my toys to beep and have batteries. I just want clothes. And are you guys at the clothes stage yet? Raise your hand if you're at the clothes stage. Do you remember what it was like when you used to moan when you got clothes, right? And your grandmother's like, I got you this sweater, Johnny. It's four sizes too big, but don't worry, you'll grow into it, right? And you're like, I just wanted an Apple Watch, <laughs> right? But if you remember, so maybe you're at that stage. Maybe you're still getting electronics, right, for Christmas. You know what your gifts always come with? They always come with instruction guides, right? Especially if it's electronic. Your gift usually comes with a, with a guide, right? And it's like, here is a booklet to teach you how to use your gift, do you know that your gifts also come with instruction guides? Did you know that? There's an instruction guide. Look what the text says. It says he gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave shepherds. He gave teachers. Why did he give those leaders? Why has he given church leaders? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So your gifts do come with instruction guides. They're called leaders. God has put leaders in your life. Right now, all throughout this room, there are youth staffers here. There are leaders. And you're like, why is he here? He has a beard. He's like 40. He's not here because he's in youth group. He's here because he loves you and because God has given him to you as a guide to teach you how to use your gift, to teach you how to get in the game so that you can do ministry, so that you can bless others, so that you, young man, so that you, young woman, can help his family grow. And so here's where I want us to end, okay? I want you to picture now. At this one, here, catch. Everybody in the stands right now has a gift in their hand. Imagine, okay? What would happen if every Christian used the gift that God put in their hand? What would happen to this community if every student used the gift that God has put in their hands and they contributed? What would it look like for an entire church community to be filled with people who get out of the bleachers and get in the game? What would it look like? 
What kind of church would that be? What would it be like to go to a church like that? Our last few verses show us exactly what will happen to that kind of church. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. He's given us gifts so that we can build each other up toward what end? To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the final point of the message, students. When we use our gifts, we are built up. When everybody uses their gifts, when everybody contributes what God has put in their hand, we grow. We improve. Just like this construction site, we are built up and we begin to progress. And as you and I progress, as you and I grow in our faith, we will be marked, number one, look what it says. Number one, we will be marked by unity of the faith. Unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. If every single person in this room, if every, if every single Christian in a church community got in the game and used the gift that God has put in their hand, this church would be marked by unity. Because when we serve each other, when we build one another up by using our gifts, we are helping each other understand our faith better. When you use your gifts, you're helping me grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so if I understand my faith better and I have more knowledge of Jesus Christ, I'm now focusing more on the Lord who unites us than on the differences that divide us. Jesus Christ literally died to unite us as a family. And the more that we are aware of that, the more that that reality is at the forefront of our minds, the more we'll be united. Relational division happens, but students, listen to me. Especially if you know what drama is like in high school, which is all of us, listen to me. Every single piece of drama, every relational division, it is always because we're not focused on Christ in those moments. Every time there's division, it's because in that moment, we have lost sight. We have failed to remember that Jesus died to unite us. And so you can help me focus on and see Christ better. You know how? Use your gift. You can help me grow in my knowledge of the gospel. You know how? Use your gift. And the result will be unity. I'm gonna give you a little tip here, okay? Next time you find yourself in relational discord, okay? Next time you find yourself in it, I'm gonna give you a little tip here, okay? This is, um, like, this is like a magic tip. One step to unite the division, okay? You're like, well, I haven't talked to her in years. There's no hope. It is. It's literally one easy trick. I'm gonna teach it to you, and you will never have a long-lasting conflict again. It's gonna be great, okay? If you and a fellow Christian are having conflict, here's what you do. Call them up, 
You come together and you say this one thing. You ready? You go, hey, dude, let's be honest. This sucks. But we both know that Jesus died to unite us as a family. So let's figure it out. That's it. Like, dude, if you do that, you're off to a great start. It's downhill from there. If you can just cool yourself and bring, it, and bring yourself to remember the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, if you can say, hey, 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 Joe, hey, Joe, let's just call it for what it is. This is not working. Like, this sucks, all right? But let's remember for a second. And then you're just bringing it to the forefront. You, you, there's a piece of information out here, and you say, hey, this sucks, but let's do this. Let's remember this. Jesus Christ died to unite us as a family, so let's figure it out. All that tension, you just deflated it. And now you just figure it out, right? Because when you're focused on the faith that unites you, when you continue to grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is, the Son of God, the result will always be unity. It'll be unity, okay? So let's look at the second thing now. What else will be marked out in this construction zone? Look at the text here. That we will attain to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When you guys use your gifts, when everyone gets in the game, the church starts to become more mature. It says here that Jesus wants his family to grow into mature manhood, or we can just say in mixed company, mature adulthood, okay? And so he switches the metaphor here. He's now no longer talking about building. He's using, we're gonna say this here, he's using the metaphor of puberty. You're like, that, that's cool. <laughs> he's using a metaphor of puberty to describe maturity. He says, I want my church to grow up, to become mature. I want them to go through puberty. And so I've been on vacation the last few weeks and something has happened in my home. Okay, no, I have not gone through puberty again. <laughs> Something has happened in my home. My three-year-old son has been expressing more and more of a desire to be like me. Okay, it's, like, it's, it's adorable, right? I'm not even gonna lie, right? My son Micah, he's been talking so much more lately. Like, Daddy, will I be tall like you? Daddy, when will I get a beard? Daddy, can I drive? No, you can't drive. I have a license. Will I be a license? One day, will I be, will I, not will I be a license, will I have a license? But who knows? He's so jacked up. He doesn't know, right? Yes, you can be, you can be whatever you want, son. And I'm just like so encouraging that I'm just, he's messed up. Like, dude, he's pretending to drive. He's looking behind, he's on a stationary car. There are no cars in his rear view. Why does he turn around like that? Because he wants to be like me. We were on vacation and I got a haircut and he wanted a haircut. <clears throat> so we got his first haircut, you know what I mean? And so I have the line, he wants the line. I had the buzzers, he wants the buzzers. I make my stank face, he makes his stank face. <laughs> he wants to be like me, right? There is something wrapped up in this little three-year-old that says, it's hardwired inside of him and it says this, I'm supposed to grow to the stature. I am supposed to grow to the height of my dad. I am supposed to mature. I know in my little mind that I am supposed to be making progress. And so is the church. 
if we can understand what my three-year-old understands. I am supposed to be growing up as Christ's family. We are supposed to be growing up into maturity. And you know what maturity looks like for you? You know what maturity looks like for Daniel Lee to be a godly man one day? It's not to grow up into the stature of your dad. It's not to grow up into the stature of Sam Cassis. It's to grow up into the stature and the fullness of Jesus Christ. And so just like my three-year-old says, I want to grow up to be to the stature, to be to the height of my dad. We as the church, it is the Lord's desire that we grow up to the stature of Christ. We're supposed to be maturing. And so I'm telling you, students, when you contribute your God-given gifts, you're helping us mature. When you get in the game and get off the bleachers, you help me mature. And you continue to partner with God as he builds. Look at the third and final cost. Two and he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. If we use our gifts, not only will we be marked by unity and maturity, but also stability. How many of you know by now that every year there's like a new thing? You know what I'm talking about? Remember when trucker hats became the thing, right? I still think they're gross, right? But everybody needed a trucker hat, right? Remember when auto-tune was like the thing? And you could all, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm older than you here, but I'll get to your age. Remember when auto-tune and you can like record voices on your app and send it to your friends, you're like, auto-tune. You guys remember auto-tune? Yeah, you do. I see that hand. Remember when swerve was a thing? Swerve. Remember Swerve? When I first became youth pastor, everybody was like, Swerve, right? That was like talk to the hand is like in the 90s. Swerve was like 2010, all right? Remember this weird thing that lasted for a minute where it was like putting your hand up like this and, and we all realized that we're not like, what, what? And we all realized we're not, we're not double jointed. You know what? I have better things to do than, than do this, you know? Dude, remember fidget spinners? <laughs> all right? Every year there's a new thing. Every year there's something new that pops up and it's like this is the most important thing ever. You know where else that can happen? Shh, shh, listen, 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 listen. Hey, bring it in, bring it in. You know where else that can happen? In the church. Every year there are people, there are authors, there are speakers who they come out and they go, no, 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 this is the new thing. No, no, this is now the new most important teaching. No, no, now this is now the new most important book. No, now this is the new, and they make the most important thing something that won't even be important in a year. You know what I call them? I call them fidget spinner Christians. There are people, I'm not joking, dude. There are people who spend their entire Christian life chasing something that won't even be a thing in a year. And what happens if we keep chasing the new important thing? What happens if we keep going back and forth into this state of confusion and dizziness? Paul says that when we keep chasing the new important thing, we're like a ship that's tossed to and fro on every wind and on every wave. You want your faith to be like that? Do you want to be a part of a church where the pastor stands up and says, all right, guys, I know what we've been teaching for the last 2,000 years, but now we get it. Now this is the most important. And you're like, dude, 
I think I'll stick with what we've been talking about for thousands of years. I'll take the gospel for 400, thank you. You know? And so do you wanna be a, a, a tossed to and fro confused Christian or do you wanna be rooted? Do you wanna be like a tree that, has plant, that is planted by streams of living water and no matter the storm, no matter the wind, no matter the fad, you are solid in your faith. Do you wanna be that? Do you know how you can be a Christian? that's marked by stability, a Christian that's marked by maturity, a Christian that's marked by unity, there's only one way. There's only one way that this community will be marked by those things, and we see it in the last verse. By speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way. Into who? Into him who is the head. You're to grow up into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How will these things be built? How will the church grow up? We will grow up, we will look more like Jesus when every part is working properly. We, the church, we will grow up when every single person is equipped to serve with their gift. We will grow up when every single person is using the gift that God has given them to help the rest of us grow. We will grow up when we're building ourselves up in love. You will grow up when you get your gift in the game. You'll grow up. We will grow up when you get your gift in the game. Students, you are not meant to sit in the bleachers and go to church. You are meant to rise to your feet and be the church. So get your gift in the game. You're not meant to sit back in the, in the stands and be a fan. You're meant to enter and come down to this construction site. And to whatever gifts God has put in your hand, you use that to the glory of God. Are you a good teacher? Teach. Are you friendly and, and, and warm and loving? Love, smile, hug. Are you generous? Give. Whatever gift, that list that we saw earlier isn't exhaustive. Paul is saying, whatever gift is in your hand, each one of us has been given a gift, use it. Get your gift in the game. And so students, we believe this so powerfully. That is why we are a community, here at Citizens, we are a community that contributes our God-given gifts. And so if you've been here for a long time, you know this, but if you're new to Citizens, understand who we are. We're a community who has committed to using whatever God has put in our hand. We contribute our God-given gifts we teach our kids in the nursery to contribute their God-given gifts. We give tithes and offerings every week because God has given us that gift of finances. We use our gifts by various ministry teams around the church. We use our gifts by joining extracurricular activities at school. We use our gifts even in our own family to serve and build up one another. Whatever it is, whatever is in your hand, get your gift in the game, man. Young men, who you're sitting back, waiting for other people to do it. Come on, lead. Get your gift in the game. Young middle schoolers, who you go, well, I'm too small. I guess the, only the high schoolers get to do stuff. Get your gift in the game. 
Those of you in this room who are the type A, all or nothing kind of people, and you go, well, if I can't do everything, I'll do nothing. Whatever you have, just give it. Get your gift in the game. Whatever you have, use it to the glory of God. Get your gift in the game. Get your gift in the game. Hey, friend, get your gift in the game. Get your gift in the game. And so here's how we're going to end tonight, okay? You'll notice that you are sitting in a stadium right now. Right now you're sitting in the bleachers. Everybody goes, oh. (laughs) You're sitting in the bleachers right now because the choice is yours tonight. And you go, oh, this was a nice message. Thanks, Sam. I'm going to go home now. No, no, no. I'm calling you to respond. The choice is yours tonight. This year, in 2019, will you stay in the seats? Will you stay in the bleachers and watch what's going on, or will you get in the game? Are you going to stay there, friend? Are you going to sit there in your seats? Are you going to sit back like a fan? Or are you going to get your gift in the game? Are you going to do this year what you did last year? Are you just going to go to church? Or is this the year that you're going to be the church? That you're going to live out and contribute to what God is doing around you? I ask you, students, will you be a fan? Or will you get your gift in the game? Get your gift in the game. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray with me. And here's how we're going to respond. When I say amen, if you want to make a, and this is not about your friend, this is not about who's next to you, this is not about going, what is she doing, what is he doing? I want you, as I pray, I want you to talk to the Lord, and when I say amen, if you are ready to commit, if you are ready to say, this year, I'm gonna get my gift in the game, this year, I'm gonna serve those around me, this year, I'm gonna do the work of ministry so that we can grow, if that's you, when I say amen, I'm gonna ask you to literally get out of the bleachers. Get out of the seats. I'm gonna say, get down here. Get in the game. And I'm gonna invite you to come down. And on these tables, we have gifts. You can come, get out of your seat as a symbolic statement of response to go, I am consciously getting up. I'm getting out. And you can grab a gift and you can take it home. And you put it on your dresser. Put it on your car. Put it the place you go the most. You know, maybe the fridge. You put it right in there. And every time you see that, Look what it says. It says, Ephesians 4, 7, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And this year in 2019, every single day that you wake up and you look at this gift, you say, oh yeah, that's right. I gotta get my gift in the game. And you're on the way to school, right? And you're like, I just wanna coast through school and I'm literally just not gonna talk to anybody and I'm just gonna survive and live to see another day. And then you see the gift and you go, oh, wait a minute. I gotta get my gift in the game. And then you see it on Wednesday and you go, yeah, tonight I'm just gonna take a week off and I'm just gonna not go to youth group and I'll just, don't worry, I'll be back by November, you know, and I'll just, oh, wait a minute. This gift wasn't given to me to keep it here. It was given to bless others. So I need to go where other people are. I'm gonna get my gift in the game. Maybe you're sitting there and it's Friday night and it's 6.30 and the rest of your family, they're gathering into the kitchen because they're gonna do a family activity and you're going, well, I'm probably just gonna like go to my room with my AirPods and not talk to anybody. And you could do that and you're a teenager and you would simply be doing what everybody expects you to do. Or you can do what Jesus expects you to do. 
And you can say, you know what? Oh man, I have a gift. And I have people around me call my family that I can bless too. And I contribute something in my family. I think I'm gonna go downstairs and get my gift in the game. And maybe that game is Monopoly. Who knows? Whatever game your family plays, get your gift in the game, students. Let me pray for you. When I say amen, I'm not gonna call you. Whatever you wanna do, if you're in this room, you say, dude, I want that. You come down, you get a gift, you take it back to your seats. Lord, I thank you for this community. I thank you for the word of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that when you ascended on high victoriously, that you gave gifts to men and women. Lord, I thank you that I see in here an army. I see in here a community, a movement of students. Whereas when the rest of the world says, dude, they're just kids. While the rest of the world has set low expectations on their life and said, what can they contribute? They're just takers. They're just millennials. They're just Gen Zers. They have nothing to contribute in society. Lord, they are so dead wrong. And I pray that you would start a movement of students who are bucking the low expectations put on them. And they're proving the world wrong. Not because they're awesome, but because the Lord who has saved them is awesome. And you have gifted them, God. Lord, I pray that this would be an army of students where even on Sunday mornings, there would just be such a presence of teenagers serving and using their gifts that the adults in our church would be encouraged and built up by their brothers and sisters who are younger than them. Lord, I pray that the students would set an example in godliness and faith and love. So Lord, I pray that this year that you would call students to get their gift in the game. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. I say, amen.